Welcome everybody to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State Athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us. We have a special edition of the CatCast for you today. We are fortunate enough to sit down with Bobcat all-time great, Travis Lule. Thorny, how are you doing tonight? I am great because this interview that we are about to share with you was a lot of fun, and I think so many Bobcat fans are going to enjoy it. I'm excited. He was the king while we were at Montana State. I enjoyed every moment of this interview, so I'm excited to share it with our listeners. Me too, and uh, just want to thank Travis again for coming on. and. He was really easy to talk to, and for anybody in particular that was there during his time or watched the games, were at the games live, it's going to definitely jog a lot of good memories for you hearing Travis talk about some of his war stories. But even if you weren't, I think you will enjoy just hearing a Bobcat legend just talk about how much he loves the Bobcats and what everything meant to him. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy. Here is our interview. Now we're fortunate enough to welcome in Travis Hule, a Bobcat all-time great. How are you doing, Travis? I'm doing great, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, talk a little Bobcat football here. Yeah, and for those of you who may not know, I don't know how you wouldn't know, but Travis Lule was a starting quarterback for the Bobcats from 2002 to 2005. And all he did was lead the team to a Big Sky Championship in 2002, 2003, and 2005. Throw for over 10,000 yards and rushed for over 1,000 in his career, which was second in league history in total offense when he graduated. He was an inductee to the 2015 Montana State Bobcat Hall of Fame, uh, 2019 Montana Hall of Fame, and he went on to have a decorated CFL career, and he just retired this spring. Travis, can you tell us what you've been up to since your retirement from the CFL? Yeah, well, first off, appreciate the uh, the flattering intro there. But uh, <laughs> I could go on if I want. Yeah, if you want, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're uh, more than good. No, so I, uh, I yeah, I, I decided uh, that this final this year, I, 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 uh, I finally was no longer a glutton for punishment and getting beat beat up on the football field. Obviously, body been through a few injuries over the last few years of my career here but um yeah so after 13 years uh 10 uh, the last 10 of which were spent with bc lions here in the cfl i decided to hang them up uh called it a career uh, this past february here um had some options to continue playing but just kind of made the decision you know for uh for my future for my health and all that stuff that uh that my time had come and gone and you know felt uh felt pretty good about it and had it had a good run so um yeah so my wife and i uh you know we have a young family three young daughters here we live in uh the northwest corner of washington state in a little border town of blaine so uh, you know i've been an international commuter in and out of work the last few years uh but uh, we decided we wanted to kind of hunker down at least for the first year post football, knowing that this was a, a, a big change in life, uh, ending the, the, the football career. So instead of just up and taking a job somewhere else, you know, had opportunities to potentially coach or opportunities in business in different places. Uh, but we wanted to hunker down first and foremost. So um, the club approached me, the, the BC lions and asked if I'd had any interest 
in in putting that old Montana State business degree to use and joining the uh, <laughs> the business op side of the of the football organization up here. So yeah, I've been working um, uh, working in the front office on the on the business development side on corporate partnerships role and and you know working with working with partners seeking out sponsor revenue and that type of thing. Uh, so I started that up in May. So I uh, you know I have an office office job uh, going out uh, on meetings here and there, and I still kind of have a foot in the door with football. Obviously, I just stepped out of the locker room, so I still know a lot of guys on the coaching staff in that locker room and uh, tagging along for the BC Lions, do a little radio pre- and post-game on uh, all the home games. I'll probably work again as a broadcast analyst for uh, one of the Canadian cable networks up here covering Grey Cup, which I've done the last few years. So, um, and other than that, had some weekends free in the summer for the first time in a very long time, and I've enjoyed a little extra family time. So that's where life has taken me. Do you plan on doing any, like, any fishing in the fall or hunting? Oh, yeah. Well, fishing, yes. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I've just gotten a few chances here and there over the years, um, but I actually did this year just almost uh, uh, symbolic in nature. I went on a on a on an ocean charter fishing trip uh on a um uh to a lodge northern british columbia uh, in the queen charlotte islands on the little island of haida Gwaii. I went to um was out there salmon fishing on the opening weekend while the boys were at training camp and it was just uh one of those moments i had to smile a little bit and appreciate uh, that life <laughs> on the other side of football won't be all bad either right so yeah and so we got this salmon starting to come inland just about now actually i got a Got my eye on a couple of fisheries uh, uh, here, kind of in, in British Columbia, a few spots I know. Um, so yeah, so hope to hope to hook into a few few big fish when they come inland here this fall. Nice, uh, that's awesome, man. Well, enjoy your time off for sure, and enjoy every moment of it. So, so Travis, uh, we are like a Montana State podcasting, so we're going to kind of ask you some Montana State focused questions. Um, the first thing we uh, were really were wondering was like. How did you end up at Montana State? And if you had any like other schools that were courting you at the time? Yeah, so yeah, so my story kind of goes something like this. I went to I went to a small high school in Oregon. I mean, I, I graduated forty seven kids uh, in my graduating class. So um, you know, Oregon small school football is not necessarily a recruiting hotbed, right? So I um, I my my uncle and my dad had played uh, at at. Western Oregon University, which is Division II mm-hmm. school in, in Oregon, um, had some interest, you know, had gone around to the football camps in the Northwest. So I kind of always envisioned myself maybe playing small college football. And as my career went on, I started getting some interest, a, a little bit of interest. Portland State was talking to me a little bit. And, and Portland State was the one that was exciting to me because I, you know, I'd seen, uh, you know, I knew they were a Division One, one AA school at the time, playing in the big sky. I'd seen them play. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to kind of stay home was my initial thought. Um, but, uh, just kind of out of the blue, they were recruiting a kid in Oregon. It was Don Bailey was the offense coordinator at the time, um, Mm -hmm. was recruiting the kid in Wilsonville, Oregon, by the name of Brandon Roosevelt. You guys may remember had a, a tenure there as a wide receiver at Montana state in my era. And he was just happened to be up the road and he said, I'm going to swing by your school. I said, okay, you know, it's kind of not really thinking much of it. And I, came out of class one day and he was watching my film. He said, uh, who's recruiting you? And I was like, well, uh, you know, a handful of Linfield college, Willamette, you know, Western Oregon. And I said, Portland state a little bit, but they haven't offered me a scholarship. He said, we, I like you. I like what I see on film. I want to take you to Mon- 
to Bozeman, Montana this weekend and bring on a recruiting trip. (laughs) uh, Okay. You know, and I just happened to have that Friday night off from, from basketball game. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll come this weekend and and went out to Bozeman and I really liked it. And, uh, you know, I was a small town kid. I liked the outdoorsy stuff, the hunting and fishing and, and the hiking and that kind of thing appealed to me. And they kind of needed a quarterback at the time. They had a fifth year senior starter in, in Tyler Thomas and, the, the only one other scholarship quarterback at the time was John Kenoki and he had had a little bit of an injury. And so there was just a spot and they were recruiting quarterbacks. Um, so I came home and called Portland state and said, listen, Montana state offered. I really liked it there. Um, does that change anything with you guys? I said, no, we still don't have a scholarship for you yet. And I said, okay, I'm going to Bozeman. And the funny thing was uh, the, the uh, whoever Portland state had their eye on, he ended up committing to Boise State the same week that I committed to Montana State. So now <laughs> Portland State was banging down my door, going, oh, we love you. We want you. We want to offer you a scholarship. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was uh, – I said, no, you know, too late. I was a pretty loyal 18-year-old. So that was pretty fun as a true freshman that next year to to knock Portland State out of the playoffs in an overtime game in Bozeman. So that was, uh, that was a pretty sweet little moment. Who was the, the uh, head coach at Portland State at the time? No, it was Tim Walsh. Tim Walsh. Tim Walsh said, yeah, yeah. He was kind of a military guy. It's funny. So years later, I got an opportunity to to golf at the Big Sky Media Conference going into my senior year um, in Park City, Utah. And there's like a kickoff, kind of a season kickoff. They used to do a little golf thing around the media weekend. And I got paired in a golf cart with none other than Tim Walsh. And he, the first, as soon as I (laughs) sat down next to him, he just, he just shook his head and he was like, Travis. Well, I messed up with you, bud. And so we had a, he was always cool about it, but it was a, it was a, it was pretty funny, a pretty funny little exchange we had years later. So you ended up going to Montana State, playing for Don Bailey, and of course Mike Kramer. What was it like playing for Mike Kramer? Oh man, he was uh, the big human man. He was like, uh, 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 he was a guy. I tell you what, like, like he could get the room to to want to run through a wall for him. He was a great motivator. Um, the thing I appreciated with, with me, you know, like when he came to recruit me, I remember when him and Don Bailey were sitting in my folks house and when I was in high school and, you know, and he said, listen, I don't care that you're small town uh, USA, right. I'm from Colton, Washington, you know? And, um, so that kind of <laughs> resonated with me. So like, I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't care where you come from. You can only beat who you're playing against and, you know, and, and so we liked you. And then, uh, you know, the other thing he did for me was he always uh he always kind of like stood up um for the guys that worked really hard for him right like in the media i mean i'd throw a pick and he'd be like the pick had nothing to do with travis you know and he might just be bs and it might have been 100 percent my fault but he had my back you know and so he really kind of empowered the guys to to want to be better and he was you know he had a he had a funny way about him sometimes like he would use the biggest word like we used to joke that we thought Kramer would, you know, open up the dictionary in the morning and just point to a word with his <laughs> eyes closed and say, I'm, I'm going to use that word 10 times today. And, and we would hear it, you know, in the team speech. Uh, but he was really a good, uh, uh, you know, I think at the time, looking back in hindsight, he was really the type of figure that Montana State needed to, to just kind of be making noise and, and uh, raising the awareness level of the community about Bobcat football. And, um, you know, the, the program – now, you guys were there during that time, right? It went through quite a transition from even the time when I was a freshman to the time I was a senior in terms of, uh, you know, the number of people in the building, the number of people in town that were caring about Bobcat football. We, you know, we, we were playing in the playoffs uh, a few times and, and really kind of 
you know, felt like that era of Bobcat football helped turn the tide and continue to make the program into, into, you know, something that was relevant on a more consistent basis than it had been, you know, for the 15 or or so years prior. Right. So, yeah, I think uh, Krams was awesome. Uh, you know, I, I haven't actually spoken to him in a few years. I get, I get my updates uh, from his nephew, Zach Wolf, who was my, uh, my, my college roommate and we still stay in touch. Um, but, but yeah, so I, uh, that's what I remember about Mike was he was just a big boisterous smiley personality that, uh, that got the most out of his players. Have you had any coaches before or after Mike Kramer that are kind of can compare to him, the big human? I don't, you know, he, he was unique in that sense, um, of where he was like, it was like, it was almost like he was a real life cartoon character, right? Like you didn't, you wouldn't believe it unless you knew him and were around him. And, uh, you know, like sometimes you'd think, boy, I can't tell if he's BSing, but he, 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 he wears it so well and says it so confidently that I, I kind of think I believe this guy. And so, um, yeah, so I, I really, I really do think he had a, he had a, he had a gift at, at, at being able to, you know, get the most out of his guys and, and uplift his group. So, um, yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was a really fun time. And I, I feel pretty fortunate that I, I, I was, uh, you know, able to play during his tenure as a coach there. So do you have a, do you have a favorite memory of, of your playing time there in Bozeman? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just, uh, there's a few that obviously stick out. I think it was really, um, really cool to see, like, you know, when I got there and, you know, too, right. I didn't really re I honestly, like, I didn't know. I didn't know the streak against the university of Montana was a thing, right? Like I didn't, I had no idea. I remember sitting in the academic center and I knew Montana was, you know, had come off a national championship the year before. And so I knew, you know, whatever they had their thing going on and they felt pretty good about what they were doing in Missoula. And I, I was sitting there with Brett Berkland, who was in my recruiting class. Brett was from Helena, Montana. And Brett said, Oh yeah, my buddy over in Missoula, he's talking about the streak. And I was like, what's what, what streak? Uh, you know, he's like, well, we haven't, we haven't won Cat Grizz in 16 years. I said, what, <laughs> what? We, like, we haven't won in that long. So I was like, that was a pretty good recruiting pitch on the part of Montana state to not let me know that, that, that they hadn't won in a long time. So, yeah. So I think as that year went on, I, you know, started to, um, you know, and again, I was a true freshman and I hardly, you know, I it was like, this was all happened fast and furious. And we started winning games and all of a sudden, you know, you look at the, schedule it's like boy if we win our last two games here we can make the playoffs so we win the Grizz lose boom all of a sudden the Cat Grizz showdown you know that week in Missoula um in 02 and we're on the road and they hadn't won they hadn't lost at home and who knows how long right um yeah. so <clears throat> you know and uh so winning that game 10-7 in Missoula in the snowy blizzard and and seeing the reaction from Bobcat Nation at the time I was like wow that was that was pretty cool. And it got even more special in hindsight, right? Cause I think it was just, it was symbolic as much as anything. And that fact that it was like, okay, the program is finally getting over the hump. We, you know, we got in the playoffs. We, we beat the, we beat the Grizz again. You know, that moment was special. Obviously there was a couple of wins along the way. I mean, I think of my sophomore year against Northern Arizona, we had like just the uh, almost mathematically impossible amount of time to win a game. We scored two touchdowns in the last, minute and 10 seconds or something crazy <laughs> we had an onside kick and now you guys yeah. remember that game sure do bunch of people filing out were you guys filing out of the, the stadium that day or did you hang tight were you there no so the the onside kick was recovered right in front of me uh, i was standing there and uh gosh i can't remember who who 
covered it was it um i want to say it was scott turnquist but i might be wrong there but uh yeah it was Corey smith Corey smith fell on the oh, there, yeah there it was yeah that was an yeah. amazing game that was an amazing game yeah so that you know that win there was a kind of a miracle win my freshman year in sacramento where there was a face mask on the last play and nate cook ended up kicking a field goal and we won and you know so we had the a little the cardiac cats tag that was the old tag from the <laughs> sure. 84 team right and so yeah uh, yeah and then obviously just you beat, you beat montana those three times you know and and you know that last game and unfortunately the playoffs uh you know was 16 team field at the time i felt like my senior year we had a pretty good football team, right? We finished seven and four with the win at home and, and we didn't get to go on to the playoffs, but you know, that last game in Bozeman just was kind of like reflective. I remember playing in, in front of a game. I think the Portland state game, um, when I was a freshman, you know, like playoffs are still in the hunt. It's a November game. And there was 7,500 people at Bobcat stadium to my last game as a senior, the stadium was more than maxed out, right? People are sitting on the grass on the sides and, to see like double the crowd then 15,000 at the time was, you know, jam packed. And uh, yeah. so it was, it was kind of cool to see that by the end of, uh, of that, you know, run. And now obviously, you know, the stadium's been renovated. Those guys have lights on the field, turf field and all that stuff. So those guys are spoiled rotten now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was pretty dang fun. Um, a, a question. Uh, you mentioned the 2002, you know, Cat Grizz game snapping the streak and all that. Where does that just rank in your, all-time football moments, maybe at any level of football. Yeah, I mean, it's honestly, it's right there in the top handful of moments. Um, as I said, it kind of got more special in hindsight too, right? Uh, but, you know, obviously as a as a pro, I was a member of a championship team up, up here and we won uh, a Grey Cup championship on our home turf in BC in a brand new renovated BC Place Stadium. And we had so much momentum at the end of the year that winning that, that uh, championship up here was a really, really cool, special moment. And beyond that, I mean, it might be the next best moment, right? I mean, obviously I had some cool moments as I kind of grew into my own as a pro or, or significant games or throws that I could remember where I felt like I was either making a team or, you know, establishing myself as a starting quarterback professionally. But, but yeah, going all the way back to the, um, all, you know, my entire career uh, winning that game in Missoula as a freshman was, was, really special. <laughs> and I just, you know, I distinctly remember like seeing, I, I, I have no idea who it was. It could have been one of your uncles for all I know. Right. Like, Oh, there's <laughs> grown men crying on the field. And I was like, wow, this, this was like, okay, I get it. I get the whole cat Grizz thing. I understand the rivalry and yeah, that was pretty dang special to, to, to find that win at the time. So uh, yeah. So right up there. And you know, I still talk about that play, uh, you know, throwing, throwing the pass uh, to Junior Adams in the first drive of the third quarter. We were in an empty set, and they blitzed, and, you know, it's cover zero, and so I bailed and bought a little time and flipped one up to June, and he caught it one-handed, and, uh, yeah, it was just uh, – it was awesome. Joey Thomas had uh, the field goal block, and we went to yeah. game 10-7, you know, so it was just – it was an awesome game. RJ was a B-side day. Ryan Johnson was a stud, and our defense was was special. I felt like Kane Ione was everywhere that day, and Roger Cooper, and – all those guys. It was just uh, just an awesome, awesome game, awesome moment uh, to be a part of. You know, I remember in 2002, um, excuse me, 2003, after we won at home for the first time in forever, I remember yeah. spilling on the field. And I, I wanted to get your perspective on this because the first thing that caught my like attention when I got onto the field was, I mean, it was really muddy, obviously, but it wasn't as muddy as it was in 2005 because that 
I, I think in 2005 it was like, you know, we all had that like 50 degree day and it was, it was cold yeah. that week before. And then Evan Groves, you know, everybody was slipping and, you know, you just went off, but the crown on the field was so significant. I felt like I was running uphill as I was approaching midfield and I was like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much of a crown there was on the field. Did that ever like dawn on you or did it was that like normal? I've always wondered that. Yeah. You know what? Like, um, so that is, that's not nearly as common now as it was then um, because so many fields are turf fields and the way they build design the fields to drain through the turf straight down, you don't see nearly the crown you used to see. And yeah, I do remember that being really significant. I remember, I remember early on in my career, maybe the first time we played in a scrimmage in the stadium or something. I remember, um, I can't remember if it was Don Bailey or Tyler Thomas, the other quarterback talking about like, you want to need to dial in and warmups because when you throw, like say you throw a hitch or an out, you know, when you're throwing a ball through the sidelines, it's going to sail high on you initially because you're, you're like up on top of the crown, right? So you like yeah. almost felt like you were a pitcher and you had to like really get on top of the ball and drive it down, like downhill almost, or that ball would, it would just, it would shoot high and go through the sidelines. So yeah, but, but again, like, so I, I, I used to be really cognizant of that when when we'd go to a, a road stadium, I'd walk out on the field to, for that reason, to kind of get a feel for the crown. Like, okay, is this one of those fields I got to make a number of throws and warmups just to get my bearings about me or, or is it a flat field? So actually I remember at the time feeling like whenever I would go to a place that had a really flat field, like, golly, this feels awkward. It's almost like I'm throwing it uphill, you know, <laughs> when I'm throwing to the sidelines. Uh, yeah. Cause it, it really was pretty significant there in Bozeman. Right on. Has coach uh, Jeff Choate, has he invited you back to speak to the, the team or the players? You know, so, um, I actually, two years ago, I, uh, I sent, um, well, I might've been three years ago now. I might've been Choate's first year, but I sent a, uh, like a video message to the team. I, uh, um, he just wanted me to speak on kind of the importance of Cat Grizz, what it meant to me, maybe a, a memory I had. So I did, I, <laughs> I was in my bonus room at home here. I sent, uh, sent, you know, put together a little two minute video or something, two or three minute video. And, and sent it off. So supposedly, yeah, um, you know, they played it to the guys the night before. Kane, I think it was Kane Ione was on the staff that year. So I think I sent it to Kane and he showed it. And now, you know, obviously Kane's back now, but he was in Washington for a year or two. Um, but yeah, so that was the one time uh, I did send a little video message in. And then, uh, you know, it was before Choate, when, when Rob Ash was the head coach there, I, uh, the one time after, right after we, I'd won the Grey Cup here in 2011, I went and I was invited to come back to uh, a, the the playoff game. I think who were they playing? Was it New Hampshire? Maybe was it Furman? I can't remember. Ooh. 2011 playoff. They won the first round. Denarius was playing my quarterback. Oh, that was New Hampshire. If you guys remember? That was Furman, New Hampshire, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Furman was with like Rolovich, I believe. What, we Furman was back when my brother was playing. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah, 2006. Yeah, my tie had a few catches in that game against Furman. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, anyways, I, I when I went back the night before that game for that playoff game, I did address the Bobcat football team and um, you know just kind of shared a little bit about my season and some of my viewpoints and things like that. So, so yeah, and I'm actually going. I uh, I got an invite back to a game in Bozeman this fall. I'm going to be at the September 21st game. Um, so I'm looking forward to going back and doing that. I don't have any plans at this point in time to speak to the team or anything, but I mean, obviously if I'm there and I was asked, I would, but, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's how I did address the team. Uh, last time was over video message. It's amazing what technology can do now. Speaking of being in Bozeman, have you ever had to buy your own beer in Bozeman? 
<laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, back way back when that was one of Craven's rules though, was, uh, you know, uh, we weren't allowed in the bars period. Um, so, uh, there, there was a, you know, there was a time where I was still living there. I think my brother was playing one semester. I helped coach when I was kind of in between football jobs. I'd been released by the Seahawks and I had a couple of classes left to finish up. Um, I, you know, had a few beers out on the town every now and then, but, uh, but, but yeah, no, I bought a, I bought a, I bought a beer or two in Bozeman. Well, it's surprising. <laughs> I'm surprised no one just uh, saw you and just bought you beers without you having to pay for one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like I should come back with you guys because uh, beer's on you. We'll be there in homecoming. <laughs> We're not going to be there on the 21st, unfortunately. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of these days we'll link up. Hey, uh, Travis. So, what do you think? How do you think Kane's going to do this year? Um, you know, he's come back after two years over over there at UW and then um, obviously he spent his whole coaching career and playing career at Montana state. Um, what do you think Kane's going to do? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Kane. I think um, I, I really think he, you know, he kind of bided his time. He paid his dues and I think he's ready. Um, and that's kind of the sense I get um, is that, you know, like Kane's obviously he's always, he's, one of the all-time greatest Bobcats in terms of playing career and, and commitment to Bozeman. He was, you know, there for, for years afterwards. And so I think that was, uh, you know, and I can't say this, I can't speak for Kane, but I'd imagine, you know, having just been in the program for so long and, and knowing one thing and seeing it a certain way to be able to, <clears throat> to step outside of that, that world and, and learn and grow. Right. And so, uh, obviously that's uh, a really impressive staff that he got to deal with at, at the university of Washington, really well-respected staff and discipline. He got to work with Pete Kwiatkowski, who was his former defensive coordinator, obviously of Bobcat DC from, from our era who has, you know, continued to evolve and, and consistently puts out some of the best defenses in all of college football. So, you know, King got to go there and, and see what that process looks like um, at the highest level of college football week in, week out. And, and kind of really formulate uh, a game plan for what he'd want a defense to look like. You know, the last time he was, mm-hmm. he was a, he was a co-coordinator, right. His last year with, uh, with Jamie Marshall and in, in Bozeman that one year. And, you know, so that's, that's really maybe not a, a good impression of what a canine own defense would look like. Cause he's, you know, he's working with somebody else and, and all those things. So I think this, this time we'll get a chance to see exactly what the defense looks like. And so hopefully uh, and it certainly looks on paper like he's got he's got enough talent to uh, to put you know to to put schemes in place that that he'd like to do that he's you know grown and learned. So I'm excited to uh, to see what we get from the Bobcat defense because I know how stout that unit was way back when um, when I was playing, and he was a part of that defense that Coach Kwiatkowski was a mastermind of. And I know it's just continued to evolve into a really stout defensive philosophically. Um, um, to this day. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see what Kane can do. Yeah. We were, we were talking about that on the last podcast that I think I'm more excited about this defense than I have been probably since about, uh, yeah, the two, the mid two thousands Kramer Pete K defenses. Like I'm pretty excited to see what the guys can do. Yeah, no, me too. I'm with you. All right. The last question I think we'll ask you here is how do you think the 2019 Bobcats will do? Well, I'm I'm the eternal optimist, man. So I think they'll do <laughs> quite well. Uh, you know, I uh, obviously it is a it is. Uh, I know they've been searching for that for the quarterback spot, right? And so obviously that's something I always have my eye on. But um, you know, with 
with Chris Murray played for a couple of years and was a really just kind of a different kind of dynamic athlete at quarterback. Um, and then, you know, him getting, um, getting in trouble or whatever, academically ineligible and kind of, uh, forcing Troy Anderson over there. I, 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 Troy did a tremendous job filling. And I thought just from a, from a leadership point of view, from a toughness point of view, he gave those guys a chance to win. Now, I think, I think he wasn't necessarily recruited to play quarterback at the college level. He had enough quarterback moxie about him that he could find a way to, to win some games. And obviously he was phenomenal talent with the ball in his hands. Um, so I, I, I'm really curious to see how, how uh, coach Miller uses him on the offensive side of the ball and, and how he evolves as a defensive player. Cause I think he's, he's really a special, special talent and athlete that you don't see every, every year come through. Right. And so I, 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 I want to see what he can do. I became, I've become a quite a fan of him just as a, just as a character individual and tough hard nosed football player last few years. So it'll be different to see a different quarterback, but I'm excited about uh, Casey Bauman. I, uh, I, I, a couple of years ago in BC with the, with the BC lions, his, one of his private quarterback coaches um, through, through high school, a guy by the name of Jake heaps, who um, Jake was a, you know, a uh, former all American or high school, all American, what have you. Um, kind of bounced around a bit in college, but spent a little time with the Seahawks and all that, but he does some quarterback training throughout the Northwest. And he was like, boy, there he's like, and he knew I went to Montana state, right? He said, no, there's a kid that, that you know, I think he's verbally committed to Montana state. And he's, he's a stud, man. I don't know why the PAC 12 hasn't come up on him yet. Uh, he's a big kid, strong arm, uh, works hard, really cares about getting better and all this stuff. So I kind of had been keeping my eye on it on this kid from Nooksack Valley high school, which is down the road here. So it was fun to see kind of, uh, that was prior to his senior year. And then obviously he, you know, stuck to his commitment, signed with the cats and, and, you know, spent a year red shirt and last year. So, um, you know, so it's been fun to watch from afar. I've seen, his, you know, his high school film. And so you just never know, never really know until a guy gets, uh, you know, underneath the bright lights, what that's going to look like. But I certainly think, uh, you know, coach Miller did a really good job when he took over the offense last year, playing to the strengths of the guys that he had. And so I'm curious to see, what that all looks like with Casey Bauman playing quarterback and some new parts moved around a little bit. So I'm certainly at the beginning of the year, you know, it's, I mean, it's in the air, right? The the days are getting a little bit shorter. You can feel a little crisp at the air sometimes at night and the football's right around the corner for those NCAA guys. We've obviously in Canada, we've been, we've been playing football through the summer, but, uh, but you can smell NCAA football in the air. A little extra pep in the step over here. That's for sure. That's exactly right. All right, Travis. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was awesome having you. Yeah, of course. Anytime, guys. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll chat at some point about some great Bobcat wins throughout the year. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. They should get you on uh, on TV over at, in Bozeman, too. Maybe you have you do a little play-by-play. That'd be cool. <laughs> there you go. Well, do you guys know anybody? Put me in touch. I'm, I'm retired now, right? I'm looking for that uh, life after football, <laughs> so I'm available. <laughs> Right on. Sounds cool. good. Well, we always end the the podcast with a go cats. So can I get a go cats from you? No, oh, that one's easy. Go cats, baby. Go cats. Go cats. <laughs>